You're listening to Listener Sponsor 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, also 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. Stay tuned for Cover to Cover. This week, we're also going to be having a call-in show. So, the number to call in is 510-848-4425. Make sure that you do call in. Again, that number is 510-848-4425. And again, my guest is Ruth King on the top of the hour. And then I'm going to have Wayne Harris, who is a solo performance artist here in the Bay Area. So get ready to call in, and after this music break, Ruth King. Cover to cover, open book. Before I talk with Ruth, I want to let you know uh, the things that's happening in the community. Next weekend, Afro Solo Fest will run Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You can go to the website, afrosolo.org. Uh, I will be a part of that. After each show, you're going to get comedy. You're going to get solo performance artists. You're going to get dancers. You're going to have a fabulous time. And afterwards, there's an audience participation and this year's theme is Black Voices. Also, this coming Saturday, September 1st, at the Joyce Gordon Gallery, you can have a chance to go to a book reading of, it's called The Wisdom of Plato Negro. And that is the Academy of the Corner present, is presenting that work. So those are two things. Remember, afrosolo.org, go to that. And uh, let's welcome KPF audience. Make sure you call in 510-848-4425. Let's welcome Ruth King. Ruth, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Ruth. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing really good. One of the reasons that I asked you to come on the show, and I want my listeners to know this, is that a part of the work that I'm doing now is looking at emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I look at that into, in the arts, but I also know in order for for me to look at that and for us to be able to look at art, look at whatever we do in our lives, we have to have a deeper understanding of our own emotions mm-hmm. and how that informs. And so 
what's up now is called rage. And so who to run to? Ruth King, author of, <laughs> author of Healing Rage. Ruth. <laughs> so tell us about your, your body of work uh, that you've been doing with rage and emotional intelligence. Well, gladly. And thank you again for having me on the show. It's always great to be back, uh, plugged back into KPFA. It's just, I applaud all of the beautiful seeds you plant in the community to, to wake up people and raise consciousness and also to build community. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Uh, my work um, stems from a, a, initially a very personal journey of, of being with rage uh, in my own life, uh, starting with the with with the wake up call from having open heart surgery when I was 26 years old, um, and in the recovery of that time, I recognized that rage had been running my life, but I wasn't aware of its effect. So I was so righteous in what I felt that I was unaware of the effect um, the emotion itself was having on me physically, emotionally, spiritually, and uh, mentally, not to mention um, the constriction that rage creates in the body actually narrows the mind. So you can't see clearly and you can't see straight. So there's a lot of um, things going on at once. So I woke up from open heart surgery only to realize that it wasn't um, a surgical procedure I was having on my heart. It was more a spiritual one. And the need was to turn my attention inward and recognize the impact rage was having on my life and my ability to be personal and intimate in my relationships and that rage was actually blocking me from having the kind of relationships I wanted, which was a sense of connection. So I woke up to all the ways I had been stopping that from happening because I was finally in a place where I couldn't just jump up and move away from uh, my experience. I was forced to heal, forced to stop, forced to get off the treadmill. And we all have different ways that we're forced to stop and pay attention in our lives along the path. Some of us, um, if we're lucky, we have more than a few of those opportunities. So needless to say, rage has been a very initiatory or um, it's been uh, an experience that moves from waking up and seeing it as a problem or, you know, I'm enraged, oh, I'm right about it. Oh, I'm enraged, oh, it's hurting me. To, oh, I'm enraged, and it's actually a stimulus that keeps me creative and awake and in service to my life. And from there, I created the uh, Celebration of Rage Retreat and started offering that around the world and doing a lot of other things. And then the book came later. So that's one, that's how things kind of got launched and the book came out in 2004 and came out again in 2007 and then came out in um Italian shortly thereafter so it's been moving around quite a bit and it's intended to just help people recognize you know not just people that are going off the deep end but people who are in a state of denial about their emotional um aliveness that's happening uh, without their even consciousness so as to wake up to that to recognize the patterns 
that it plays out. The book introduces six disguises. And to just make some different agreements with yourself around how you not burn yourself out and how you do the work in the world you're here to do without causing harm and hurting this generation and generations to come. You know, it was the, I, in 2004 is when I, I first got hold of your book. Mm-hmm. And I realized when I began to read it, I was having a challenging time getting through it because I saw some of the symptoms in myself. Yes. Put the book away. And then I had talked to you on the phone because I was interested in going to a workshop and then didn't go to the workshop. Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 And then proceeded in my life and then attended one of the workshops. But I, it, it ended up only, I could only stay a half a day. But I reckon one of the things that was so impressive to me is that to hear you say out loud that rage is, is a resource. And part of the reason I'm taking this journey with you now with our KPFA audience members as a way to revisit that is because I realized over the years that there are always these moments, particularly in in intimate relationship, where I will destroy that relationship in a rageful way, and then usually take up and run and go off into another place and time uh, uh, on the planet. And I realize I'm not willing to participate in that anymore. And then when I was reading about rage again, because now I have to revisit it, I also recognized the truth that you had written and said out loud that you, and it was applicable to my life, is that when I, in each moment when I was enraged, it was because I did not feel, I did not feel as if my emotional intimacy was being heard. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and I wouldn't speak up about it in a very clear way and that I was putting myself in situations, putting me, again, apparently my spiritual self needed me to address this. But I was putting myself in situations where I clearly knew that the other person could not answer or be in conversation with me around totally and completely my heart. Mm-hmm. my emotional needs, that I was mm-hmm. the giver for the most part. And that sort of, I think you talk about in the first chapters of your book, we usually end up being advocates for the people. We end up doing this, we do that. And we get a chance to be very angry for other people. And I realized that I was not at a place to really um, put myself in the center of the world with a person to really to to be in um, in intimacy, so therefore then I could rage out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what you're saying is so important because when we feel, you know, rage um, is, an, uh, is an expression of a deep feeling of, of disconnection and separation. Uh, when we're in rage, we are both feeling very separate. Um, and at the same time needing to be separate because things are just too hot, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the, the moving away. But then there's a third thing, and that is also a deep longing for connection with the very person you feel targeted toward. And, and the connection is not, it could be intimacy, but it could be a few steps before that, which is being seen, being understood, uh, being heard. 
you know, things like that also matter. And rage is, you know, it's initiatory in the sense that it keeps coming around to us at different stages in our lives. It's actually a good sign when we begin to to recognize it again and again, and then we begin to develop a new relationship with it, where we recognize that there's a pattern. There's a pattern of mind happening when rage is, is going on. There's We can almost kind of predict or begin to recognize the pattern of it. You know, there's some kind of uh, disrespect or hurt that's happened or some humiliation or some sense of uh, injustice. Those are some of the things that rage kind of yeah. makes sure we don't go to sleep about, right? So Absolutely. it flares up. And we can begin to see how that gets set up in our lives and where we put ourselves uh, be- out of habit, unconscious habit, because that's what we know is not what we need, but is what we know how to do. And ultimately, at some point, when we stop going with the habit, the, the habituation of our disguises of rage, as I talk about in the book, it's just ways we've learned how to protect ourselves. They're not ways we know how to heal, but they're ways we know how to, we attempt to protect ourselves. When we start recognizing oh, that's what I'm doing again, then we're left with ourselves to develop intimacy with our own pain. Sometimes we want to go external and we expect other people, even the enemies that we're seeing, to take care of our own pain, and that's just so unlikely, whether it's in relationships or institutions or or wherever we may seek outside of ourselves. But ultimately, when we stop that habit, we're left with ourselves and what do we know about our own how intimate are we with our own sense of inner wisdom our own intelligence how how still do we allow ourselves to get so that we can hear our own fine mind you know uh, usually we're in such reactivity to rage and i think uh, at some level in our spiritual journey we begin to see that rage becomes somebody that's here to teach us something that we deeply know about ourselves but we're not um loving enough we're not respecting enough we're not paying homage to it's so wonderful to hear you put it that way i think just to um because it's an invitation i think for people to be able to say oh so if I'm rageful, it's not like a sin or a bad thing, whatever they want to language it, but that this is something that is a teacher to me and that I want to learn about, become more intimate with myself and then others around me. I mean, just the position that you place that in is so new, I think, on a, just collectively, we never hear that. And in fact, I have been walking around asking people, particularly women, when is the last time they were they were rageful and there was and consistently they would laugh first become embarrassed uncomfortable and then describe the situation in a way as if they were trying to find a way to to minimize it so they didn't seem or appear to be a bad person Mm-hmm. Because they had never, we have not learned that to be rageful is, a, as you're saying, is a way to teach us about what is it that we're trying to get at in our lives. I want to give out the number again, 510-848-4425. We only have Ruth on the phone for a few more minutes. I want to cover a couple things. First of all, Ruth, I'd like you to share with us, to the audience, 
listening members where they can get hold of the book. And then I want to talk about the second half of Healing Rage is the uh, emotional wisdom card that you have that I ran out and bought and been practicing. (laughs) I have, and I so (laughs) tell them where they can go get things, and then I need to tell you what happened to me after. Oh, wonderful. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, you can, and I would welcome your um, support in purchasing the book at ruthking.net. You can purchase the book uh, as well as the emotional wisdom cards as well as um, an audio CD on uh, soothing the inner flames of rage which is which are meditations that support um, developing an intimate relationship with the things that disturb us so that we're not looking elsewhere so that we can relax in our own skin so that's ruthking.net <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a sheer dear diary <laughs> <laughs> okay come on with it I ran out and bought Ruth King's wisdom emotional cards and I and so since I'm not with a group of people because the cards can be done in a group it can be done alone it can be done how However, it needs to fit your life. And in my life right now, I was going to do it myself. I pulled the same cards over and <laughs> over again. Well, it's only in there once, so I don't know. <laughs> well, no, no. Well, each day, each day, I would mix them back up and they come back. And the next day, and I thought, okay, Javelin. Sit it, sit it down. Let's do the dang thing. <laughs> and it, and it kept. And the cards were really saying what in your childhood that you couldn't say. Essentially, that's what it said, not verbatim, but it's saying what in your childhood, what story that you could not say or could not tell out loud. And I meant to bring them with me today to read them out loud and didn't. Mm-hmm. But essentially, essentially, it was saying that as a child, what I wanted. Is for people to pay it. It was out of eight kids. I wanted people to pay attention to my mm-hmm. creativity, my talents. But I was the, I was the caretaker for the rest of my siblings for the most part. And I noticed in my relationships mm-hmm. that when I get rageful, it's because I am no one's paying attention to the things that in a, in a way that I can be can feel it. And then I just just. Keep going, keep going, keep going, and bam. Yeah, yeah. So I invite the audience, because I have like 30 seconds left, but Ruth, I'm inviting the audience to be able to look at rage, particularly right now in our lives globally and then individually, to go out. And some of you have, you know Ruth's work. Get the books, get the cards, because later when I come back, maybe on the third Friday, I want to talk more about the emotional wisdom cards. I'm finding a way to bring it into the work I do on the radio, and I'm sorting that out, figuring it out, and I'll make it happen. And then in November, Ruth will be here, and there's going to, we're we're figuring out a, a book signing at uh, which bookstore here in Berkeley? It's going to uh, probably going to be at Sagrada yeah. over there near 51st and Telegraph, and it'll be a meet and greet and book signing, and um, it'll be a chance for me to you know talk to you a little bit more about you know just how this can work well. But the emotional wisdom cards would do in fact support your idea of emotional intelligence so yes. beautifully and I think there's 50 cards in the deck and you know people have a chance to to do it in groups or do it individually so it's a wonderful support to any practice that people are currently in and you can get them at ruthking.net if you like there's a lot of information about it too to just uh, read about 
and it guides you. So, Ruth, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me. This is so lovely, <laughs> and I wish all of you well. Uh, yes, thank you so much. And I will see you in November, and I also uh, will announce as we get closer to that date, I will remind our audience members that you will be here and do a meet and greet. Sounds really good. Thank you so all right. much. Bye-bye. Until then. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Music break and back with Wayne Harris. Cover to cover, open book, Javelin Richards. We just heard Ruth King, and now live in the studio, I have Wayne Harris, and he's bringing his uh, one-person shows, uh, Tyrone Short Leg Johnson. <laughs> Hi, Wayne. How you doing? I'm good this afternoon, uh, Javelin, and you? I'm doing pretty good. Great, great. So what's going on? What's what's going on with Tyrone? Who is Tyrone? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. First of all, I'd like to thank you, Joplin, for having me here. Uh you know, this afternoon, it's great. Uh, I got some performances coming up uh real soon that I want to share with you after a while, but uh, who is Tyrone? Yes. Well, um uh, some some folks have said that uh, Tyrone is in fact my alter ego. I I think Tyrone is uh, a character that kind of resides in a bunch of us. Uh, he's uh, he's an old blues singer. You know, it's uh, it's 1967. It's the time of the play, and it, and uh, Tyrone's been around a bit. You know, and he finds himself on uh, one of those second-rate uh, teen dance shows, and he's backed up by a bunch of white boys, and, and he thinks they're the hippies, and he ain't happy. And believe me, there's fussing, fighting, signifying, <laughs> blues singing. Everything goes on in the course of this evening. Well, something goes wrong. And and they have to kind of stop the uh, proceedings. So, you know, Tyrone kind of takes over while the director tries to fix things. And, and he goes through, quite frankly, uh, a bit of the history of the blues in America with these young men that he is on stage with. And uh, during the process of this play, we... We speak to the, uh, the, 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 that, that, that time in Oakland, the 7th Street Blues, uh, era where you had, uh, uh, Slim Jenkins Club, you had Eli's Mile High Club, Esther's Orbit Room. So he kind of schools about that period in time and in the process, you know, sings a lot of the old classic, uh, blues. Like what? Oh, we do them all. We do Wang Dang Doodle. Give us some. <laughs> Give us some. You want some Wang Dang? <laughs> you see, well, I, I got to call Tyrone on into it. Okay. You see, you see, I first learned about the blues back at Miss Josie's Juke Joint and Ho House in Beaumont, Texas. <laughs> yes, I did. Willie Dixon used to come through. <laughs> Lord have mercy, he played that stand-up bass. Ba boom boom ba ding boom ba ding ba dum ba dum. <laughs> yeah, he comes through. But he wasn't the only blues man come through. <laughs> blues men would come through. You know, they come through to cut heads. <laughs> you know what that is? <laughs> no. Oh, that's when folks trying out play one another. <laughs> Folks on the black side of town would hear about it, <laughs> and people would come from everywhere. <laughs> 
Tail automatic slam, tail razor toting gin. <laughs> I mean, people would start coming out their houses. Tail butcher knife toting Annie, tail fast a talking fanny. <laughs> See, as good a juke joint as you could find, even in New Orleans. Oh my. Gosh, I'm so glad Tyrone dropped in on us like that to give me some. What? So where are you performing and where will people be able to see this? I want them to get that part of it before we go on. But I also remember, KPFA listeners, you can call if you have a question for Tyrone. The number is 510-848-4425. So where are you going to be? Well, um, the, the play is called Tyrone short leg johnson and some white boys okay. and and it's going to be at the san francisco fringe festival starting uh the fringe festival actually runs from september 15th 5th until the 15th uh our particular show will be on september 6th 7th 8th 12th and 14th at the 50 mason social club the area around Mason and Eddie, uh, the Exit Theater, which is producing the Fringe Festival. There are several theaters in the area, so there's this great uh, uh, community of art going on for the 10-day festival. But uh, you'll catch us at uh, 50 Mason. Okay, so we we heard Tyrone. So, but share with me, what was the inspiration for you to write this piece? Hmm. Well. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, as soon as I could, I left St. Louis, came out here to California, called myself being a hippie, ended up in Canada, and eventually came back here to California. And and, and, and my mother was, was ill with uh, breast cancer, and I started going back home to St. Louis after not being in St. Louis for years and years and years. And, and, and as uh, uh, journeys like that, tend to to do it, it started to bring back the things that 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 were the building blocks of my life that to some degree I had kind of disregarded in in a lot of ways well dealing with my mother's cancer starting to journal i i started listening to sounds i hadn't heard before mm. like the blues my daddy used to play the blues all the time but like a lot of black kids, you know, my age at the time, we weren't listening to Muddy Waters. We were listening to The Temptations. We were listening to The Four Tops. And that was, you know, that was kind of clown music. Well, I was at Everett and Jones. <laughs> yes, I was. Right there at Jack London Square. Okay. And uh, I'm, you know, having dinner. And they got this little back room back there, and I'm hearing some homecoming blues over there. <laughs> so uh, my girlfriend and I, we walk over there, and performing is Bird Lake. Bird. Old guy from Texas. I'm sure many of you know uh, his work. He he was on the Seventh Street scene early on. He still comes in the area, but Birdleg was putting it down. He had the harmonica, and it was like a rush of of 
a visceral, very visceral deja vu where, where you know, the, the, the blues bar on the corner from where I lived, I could see it and smell it and hear it again. And, and, and from that moment on, I wanted to kind of tap back into maybe some music that I had. Wow. That I had. In the last um, minute of the show, wow, that's a lot. And thank you for taking us on that personal journey of how you returned to the blues in support, going back to support your mom to a place you had ran away from called St. Louis, Missouri. Tell us again, Wayne Harris, where can we find you? Well going to be at the San Francisco Fringe Festival. You can get information about the Fringe at uh, sffringe.org or you can call 415-673-3847 for tickets. Just want to invite everybody on down. I've got a six-piece band that just jams behind me that I'm just can't wait to share. <laughs> My white boys is good. <laughs> and uh, just one more thing. I okay. I am directing another piece that I really want to share. It's it's uh, one of the more wonderful uh, uh, situations I've been in in a long time. The 80-year-old Gene Gore will be doing a one-woman show at the Fringe Festival called Cheesecake and Demerol. And I, I really want everyone to give well, it a Well, I want to talk to you about that because I would love to have her on my show. Oh, yes, you would. All right. So don't forget April Solo Fest happening next weekend. Uh, come out afterwards, audience discussion, uh, race matters, black voices. I've had a wonderful time with Ruth King. I've had a wonderful time with Wayne Harris. I have a wonderful time with your audience. I'm Jocelyn Richards. Open cover to cover. The Lopenio Cultural Center is proud to present Arab Spring from Tehran to Oakland, California, a special evening of comedy and cartoons devoted to people power in the Middle East. That's on Friday, September 21st at 8 p.m. at Lopenio, located at 3105 Shattuck Avenue in Berkeley. Come join Khalil Bendib, also known as the Prez in the Fez, as he launches his new presidential bid and his new book of political cartoons, as well as Amiran Khalil, authors of Zahra's Paradise, the international best-selling graphic novel 